0: Praise God. Thank you everyone that did specials today. made it very, very special for us on this Resurrection Sunday. There will be no classes right after the service today because of Easter. No Constitution class. Growth track will start next week. Tonight we're going to be having a special service for the TV series called The Chosen. Some of you have watched Season 1. Tonight begins the first episode of Season 2. 8 o'clock, so we won't be here at 6 o'clock, that'll start at 8 o'clock. I do have a Zoom link out there, so if you want to join by Zoom, we could probably make that work, and that'll be no problem, so that'll be 8 o'clock tonight, we're super excited about that, that's been a great series. See these flowers, these beautiful flowers behind me here on the stage? Uh, Look around, if you see someone that is not here this morning, uh, maybe one of our shut-ins or someone that you know that's normally here On your way home, if you could grab one of these beautiful flowers and just drop it off to them, that would be wonderful. So teamwork makes the dream work. Uh, I appreciate all of you that have been going out and visiting homes. We thank you for that. But on your way out, just take a look around. If you notice that there is someone that's not here, grab one. And on your way home, if you could drop that off to them, that would be a huge blessing. Amen? Praise God. Kids, Super Church. You guys can go to Super Church. It's in our cafeteria. So when you walk out of these doors, you'll go to the right, and it'll be right down the hall on your right. You can't miss it. Amen. Well, happy Easter, everyone. Happy Resurrection Day, as we like to call it. If you're visiting with us today, I'd like to just welcome you again to Fairton Christian Center. I'm Pastor Ken, and if you're joining us from home for the first time, I want to welcome you. Leave us a comment there. Let us know how you're doing. We welcome you. We have a lot of great ministries here for your family, and that includes a preschool through 12th grade academy that's been here serving the community for over 40 years. So, praise God, we're so excited about that, and we welcome you this morning. We're so glad that you're here. If you'd like to see a little bit more of the Academy, you can give us a call, and we'd be happy to give you a tour. Um, or if you'd like to talk about the church, I'd be happy to meet with you and pray for you and your family. God is doing some amazing things, amen, here in our church and in the school. So praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, today we celebrate one of the most important holidays of the year. Amen. The message of Easter is one we love to share. We're celebrating the most important event in history. Amen. Jesus's tomb is empty because he's alive. Amen. Amen. He's a living savior. Praise God. We love to sing that song we sang this morning. Raise a hallelujah. Do you notice one of the lines in that song says death is defeated. The king is alive. Amen. Man, I love that song. We love that song here at Fairton. We want to raise a hallelujah. It's a great song, a great anthem as we declare victory in our life. Praise God. The miracle of Jesus' resurrection changed the world forever. Forever. It's the foundation of our faith. Unfortunately, there are many people today that Easter is just another holiday. One Barna study, research study, found that while most Americans consider Easter a religious holiday, fewer are correctly identifying its meaning at 42%. And interestingly, only 2% of those in that research study would describe it as the most important holiday. Well, Easter is not just another holiday. Easter is not about the bunny. Easter is about the lamb. Amen. It's the holiday of holidays. Amen. Praise God. Turn with me to John chapter 20. While you're turning there, I'll give you a little context. John is the author known as John the Beloved. He's in Jesus' inner circle. This is the last of the Gospels to be written from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And, but it ends up being the first of the books that John would write. He also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and the book of Revelation. And he wrote this gospel while he was in Ephesus between 80 and 95 A.D. The first 12 chapters of this gospel record Jesus' three-year ministry. Those chapters contain some of the miracles performed by Jesus. Interesting, the last verse of this gospel says this. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Wow. Chapters 12 through 20 cover the Passion Week, the Holy Week. Nearly a half of his gospel captures this one week. John devoted significant portion of his gospel for a short period of time, Palm Sunday to Easter. One week that changed the entire world. Amen? Let's start at verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen Wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Jesus, now I pray, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive. Father, I pray now your anointing over our time in your word. I pray now you would increase, and your Holy Spirit would speak through me, Lord, and minister to every heart here and watching from home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 My sermon title today is, Can I Get a Witness? Amen. Amen. We're going to begin at verse 1. Verse 1, this is one of the most exciting verses in the entire Bible. This verse, all four Gospels record this fact of history. And as we see from our passage, John himself was actually physically there. He is one of the first people on the scene. So we have this first person eyewitness report captured and preserved in this message, in this passage. Each Gospel records early On a Sunday morning. In Mark, we read that it was at the rising of the sun. And that's the reason why we have sunrise services on Easter morning. Sunday, the first day of the week, is Resurrection Day, the Lord's Day. And that's the reason why churches today meet on Sunday instead of the traditional Old Testament Sabbath of Saturday. Christians celebrate Jesus' resurrection every week. Amen. The Lord's Day is a victorious day, a day to celebrate what Jesus has done, the day Jesus defeated the gates of hell. John writes in Revelation 1:18, I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and the grave. Yes, amen. In this first verse here, we're introduced to the first person of our story today. Mary Magdalene. She arrives at the tomb. Similar to how Jesus is sometimes referred to as Jesus of Nazareth, Mary Magdalene refers to her city of origin. You can show my first picture. On this map, she's from the city of Magdala on the west coast of the Sea of Galilee. If you are to visit Israel today, you can take a tour and check out all the sites of that city and all the history. And we know that Mary's not alone. As we look into the other parallel passages in the Gospels, he records Matthew that a group of women left to visit the tomb. Mark includes some of the names, Mary, the mother of James, and notes that Salome was also in the group. Luke also notes Joanna and several other women went to visit the tomb. Here, John's account focuses specifically on Mary Magdalene. We first meet her in Luke chapter 8. When Jesus cast out seven demons, evil spirits from her. Not one, not three, seven demons from her. So she went from demonic possession to freedom in Christ. Amen. And from that moment, she remained loyal to him until the end. Jesus met her right where she was at. She was delivered. Her life radically changed forever. Here's a takeaway for today. No matter how long you have traveled in the wrong direction, you can always turn around. No matter how long you have traveled in the wrong direction, you can always turn around. Like Mary, we all have a past. And here, someone who was demon-possessed, who later in this chapter would end up being one of the first people, a resurrected Jesus, would reveal himself to. Wow. And of all the people Jesus could have chose to reveal himself to right in the beginning, he chooses her. He chooses Mary. You see, God pursues us. No matter how far away you think you are, he never stops pursuing you. This is a reminder that Jesus met us too, right where we were at. Amen? You may have walked in here today feeling unworthy feeling like not good enough, not deserving. Well, Jesus assembled his team of disciples, and when he did that, he didn't go and find the most prestigious religious leaders of that time. He chose ordinary people like you and me to follow him, people with flaws, imperfect. And just like theirs, our lives were changed forever when we came to Jesus if you're feeling like you're not good enough today like Mary as we turn to Jesus we find grace an undeserving gift you don't have to earn god's love you already have it the parallel passages in the other gospels note that they were purchased they had purchased and prepared burial spices So that they could anoint Jesus' body. You see, at the end of the previous chapter, Joseph of Arimathea started the burial process of anointing Jesus' body. After they took Jesus down from the cross on Good Friday, they could not come on Saturday because of the Sabbath. A special Sabbath at that because it was a Passover. So Mary and the other women, they were ready to go the first moment possible at the crack of dawn, sunrise on Sunday, to continue that process. The custom of the Jewish burial at that time was to wrap the body in linens, saturated in spices, which included the spice of myrrh, one of the three gifts we see given to Mary and Joseph at the birth of Christ by the wise men to honor the sacrifice that Jesus would eventually make. The fact that Mary went to the tomb with spices reflects something. It reflects that she expected to arrive to a sealed tomb and to find Jesus' body inside of it. She was prepared to finalize the burial process. Mark's Gospel notes that as the women were walking there, they were inquiring about how they would roll the stone away, a stone that was about six feet in diameter and about 2,000 pounds. Well, God already had that worked out. Matthew notes that there was a great earthquake and an angel rolled the stone away. I've heard some great testimonies recently from some of you right here in our church body. As we go through life, so many times we're faced with an extra-large-sized problem like the stone. We may have no clue what to do. We can't see any solution. And then a solution comes from a place you never expected it to come from. Someone unexpectedly calls you with good news. Be encouraged. If you're waiting today upon God for a solution to present itself, allow God to do what only he can do. Amen? He's a miracle-working God, and he brings solutions from unexpected places. He'll bring a solution to your problem that's completely off of your radar screen. He has solutions to problems you haven't even experienced yet. Amen? You may be sitting here right now and you're just feeling like, I have that. I have a 2,000-pound problem that I am waiting to be rolled away and out of my life and out of my way. So here's a takeaway for today. When you see the mountain, God sees the mountain moved. Amen. When you see the mountain, God sees the mountain moved. So Mary arrives, and she finds a couple unexpected things. First, the stone's already rolled away for her. And second, the tomb is empty. Luke records that they look in the tomb and find nobody is lying there. No Jesus there. This is one of the most exciting moments in the entire Bible. Amen. I've heard it said this way. Jesus made the payment on the cross, and the empty tomb was the receipt. Let's look at verse 2. We see her response now to the empty tomb. She ran. Mary ran. She takes off, and she found Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That is John, and he refers to himself in that way. And she says, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. He's missing. We can't find him. In that moment, she comes to the conclusion that someone stole him and hid him. But that was not the case. The tomb being guarded by Roman soldiers. No one could have taken his body. The Roman soldiers would have been executed if that had taken place. If someone would have come in and tried to remove it on their watch. And if someone actually stole the body, they would have just took the body all wrapped in linens. They wouldn't have taken the time to carefully unwrap each limb and leave everything neatly where his body was. They wouldn't have done all that and touched his body, touched his skin to remove him from that tomb. Regardless, in her mind, Mary is thinking he's stolen. She's not thinking resurrection. Verses 3 and 4. And now John shifts our attention and our focus from Mary to Peter and himself. So in receiving Mary's report, we see their response. They both got up and ran. They took off. We don't know how far they ran, but as we're reading through the Holy Week, the Passion Week, we know that they're going back and forth from Bethany and Bethphagee, That's about a mile, two miles. So they could have been running for a little bit of time here. But John notes here that he outran Peter. So we know that John is a little bit of a faster runner. Why would he tell us that? Was he trying to brag about himself and boast? Man, I outran Peter, I left him in the dust. No, I don't think so. Listen, John here, he's giving us a specific, detailed account, his eyewitness testimony. If you have ever had to call 911 or if you've ever had to meet with a police officer to give a report of what happened, they want to know step by step what happened. And John is sharing his story here like it's being investigated in a similar way. First, Mary came. She told us what happened. We immediately left. I got on the scene first. Then Peter got on the scene right after me. So he's giving step by step account accurately of what happened. And then, let's see what happens next here in verse 5. John gets there first. And we see what? He himself saw with his own eyes. At first, he didn't go in, but notice the detail. He stooped. He stooped down to look in. It kind of gives you an idea of how large the opening to the tomb was. So it wasn't like above his head. He's stooping down. He's looking in from the entrance of the tomb and he's just kind of watching, looking, taking it all in. He sees the linens there, the same linens he saw wrapped around Jesus' body, now lying there, but with no body inside of the wrappings. Jesus was gone. It was an empty tomb. And then verse six, then Peter arrives. But unlike John, he goes right in. He goes right into the entrance. Remember, Peter is the only disciple that stepped out of the boat. He's the only disciple that walked on water. So he boldly arrives, and he steps right into the tomb. He notices the same linens that John saw. The word noticed in the King James seeth in Greek means studying. He's just perceiving it all. He's studying it. He's taking it in. The wheels are spinning. He's gathering information. They're in problem-solving mode. They're just trying to work out every possibility of what's going on here. Let's say that you walked into the, the church one day. You walk in the front doors. Tina's sitting right in the office. You go right up to the window, and she's, you, you uh, tell Tina, you know, I need to meet with Ken. And she says to you, okay, yeah, he, he just a second ago, he just walked into the sanctuary. Just go right in. He'll be right there. Let's say you walk in here. You walk in, but what you find is you see my jacket lying here on the chair, but you don't see Ken. So you walk in here, and you're probably like, okay, is he in the back somewhere? Is he hiding behind something? So you're just like, "Take," you're studying it. You're just taking it all in. You're trying to figure out, all right, what's what's going on here? She just told me he just walked in here, but he's not here. There's no Ken. So looking around, processing everything, let's look at verse 7. Another important detail, the cloth that covered Jesus' head is found here. And notice how it's found. It's found folded up, lying apart from the other linens. If someone had stolen his body like Mary initially thought, they wouldn't have taken the time to neatly fold up the covering of his face and just leaving it there on the table. Again, John giving specific eyewitness detail for us to know what the scene looked like when he arrived there. Verse 8, then John, after Peter goes in, decides he's going to follow Peter in. And we read, he saw and believed. When we read he saw, in the Greek, that saw is to see with understanding. So he walks in, and he sees, he realizes that Jesus has risen it's a light bulb moment. You ever have one of those aha moments? You make the connection. He believed. He accepted the truth that Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. Before the Passion Week in Mark chapter eight, we read this. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. And be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later, he would rise from the dead. You know, along our faith journey, there are points in time, different chapters, different seasons of our life when we too see and believe. We accept the truth. When we see a God sighting in our life, or we see a God sighting in someone else's life, and there's no coincidence, it's not a matter of luck. It's a supernatural hand-of-God moment when you hear their story. It's nothing short of miraculous. Remember, John here, he still hasn't seen the resurrected Jesus yet. He's walked in, and he's just come to this moment. But the empty tomb, that was enough for him to believe. For the last three days, I can only imagine at that moment of what he's writing right here, they, what, what would they have been feeling like, the disciples, at right after Good Friday? For these days, hiding behind locked doors, wondering, I'm going to be next. That might happen to me now. They watched Jesus endure a horrific beating. Many of you have seen the passion of Christ. I don't even know if that completely captures what our Savior went through. So they had just seen and experienced this. So now, could you imagine just the ocean of fear and doubt that's trying to just crash down upon them? But this moment here, this moment splits that ocean of fear and doubt. Because in this moment, it's faith, believing without seeing. it's faith and joy and hope that just begins to rise up within them. There are times in our life when we just feel completely overwhelmed with life. We feel like we're drowning in life. People will say, I'm up to here. I can't take one more thing. It can't get any worse. And then something happens. Our faith is reignited when hope begins to rise again, when fear and doubt are nowhere to be found because our faith has just been sparked and lit and growing. So here's a takeaway for today. A heart... Filled with fear, doubt, and worry leaves no room for faith. And a heart filled with faith leaves no room for fear. His heart in this moment just flooded, flooded with faith. He believed. Verse 9, until that moment, they still didn't understand the scriptures. But now they began to understand. The empty tomb was evidence. It was proof of the resurrection of Jesus. The empty tomb. You see, he conquered the grave, amen? Death could not hold him. And for 50 days after Easter, we reach the day of Pentecost. The disciples would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Peter, who was the first disciple to enter into the tomb, begins preaching to the crowd about Jesus, which you can see in Acts chapter 2. He references the scriptures that he now understands. And you can see in that moment, he, one of them is Psalm 16, which says, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. As Peter is preaching this, To the people, 3,000 are saved as they listen to his eyewitness report. That is awesome. Wow. They hear it. They believe. And today, here we are. We're reading the same story. 2,000 years later, a similar story that Peter was preaching on that day, that he's alive. He's alive today. And that's the same for us right now. And because of that, We can face tomorrow. We can have hope. Verse 10, then they went home. Then they went home, but that was not the end. That was just the beginning to an amazing sequence of events that would take place over the next 40 days. In the verses that follow our passage today, We see the beginning of multiple eyewitness reports of a resurrected Jesus. Appearances of the risen Jesus. People are seeing him. On that day, Resurrection Sunday, five sightings. Jesus is seen by Mary. Then she's seen by the other Mary, Salome, Joanna, and another woman. Then Peter. Then the two men on the road to Emmaus. And then the disciples together, but without Thomas, then during the next week, the following week, four more sightings. He would see the disciples again, but this time with Thomas. Then the seven, seven of the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Then the disciples in a large gathering in Galilee. Then James. And then on the 40th day, again with the disciples. Then they watched Jesus ascend straight up into heaven. Wow. You see, he stayed around for 40 days to demonstrate that he was truly alive. Amen. <laughs> Hundreds of real people saw a resurrected Jesus. Listen to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom were still alive Though some have died, then he was seen by James and later by the apostles. Last of all, as, I, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he refers to the resurrection of Jesus over 50 times in his letters. And notice, of the 500 believers that he just mentioned, many of them were still alive if there was some kind of discrepancy, they would have spoken up and said something. John, who wrote this gospel, was right there. He could see him. He could hear him. He could touch him. All the disciples, they were able to touch him and listen to him. They even ate with him. That is why the disciples were all, all in, completely sold out to Jesus to the point where they were willing to die themselves horrific deaths. They were willing to go to the very end because they had encounters with the risen Lord. They knew the truth. And listen, without cars, without TV, without cell phones, without Internet and social media, this small group of disciples followed the Great Commission, powered by the Holy Spirit, And they turned the world upside down. It was amazing. The whole world was changed forever. They all went out, preached about what they witnessed, his resurrection. This guy, he's still alive. We've seen him. We ate with him. In closing, from that Sunday until today. Boy, that day has brought so much with it. It has brought immeasurable joy for our lives that through the work of the cross, our sins are forgiven. Our debt paid in full. Jesus said, it is finished. Praise God. The penalty for our sin in this world, Jesus paid it all. For you and for me and for all humanity. That Sunday also brought with it a living hope that in believing in what Jesus did on the cross, you can receive the free gift of salvation and know where you will spend eternity. In case you don't know, heaven and hell are real places. Where real people will live permanently forever. That Sunday also brought with it divine healing. Today we had communion. Praise God. Made our day even more special. That by his stripes we are healed. Physically, mentally, emotionally, we are healed. God made it possible for you to know him and experience an amazing change in your life. John uses the word believe over 80 times, 80 times in the gospel of John. Including the last verse of this chapter that says, But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, And that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. And the next to last verse in this gospel says this. This disciple is the one who testifies to these events and has recorded them here. And we know that his account of these things is accurate. The reason why I'm giving you all these details is so you will believe From Palm Sunday to Resurrection Sunday, the Passion Week, the Holy Week, the events of this week did not end on Good Friday. The events continued past that, and today we celebrate the greatest victory story ever told, the greatest turning point in history. In life, all of us here, all of us watching from home, we all experience turning points as well. Like I was saying, sometimes you may say to yourself, man, things cannot get any worse than they are. When you feel defeated, when you're just feeling down, you feel like you're in the valley of valleys, in a very deep place. But God, but God. Everything we have experienced this past year, it's been unlike anything we have ever lived through. And this past year had some low points. There were moments that were difficult for us and our families, but there's always a turning point. There's always a breakthrough. When God turns our situation around, when God takes what was meant for evil and turns it good when what seems to be an an end an ending point is actually just a beginning of a new season when our mess becomes our message our test becomes the testimony God turns it around listen on this resurrection day I pray I pray and I deeply believe that God is restoring life into you as well restoring your joy, restoring your hope, restoring your faith. The resurrection story is a message of hope to those who believe and to those of you who have never made a decision to invite Jesus into your heart. Listen to the words of Paul in Romans 10. When we declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, we will Be saved. Praise God. You have a heavenly father who loves you unconditionally. He's pursuing you. He's calling you by name. He's knocking on the door of your heart. God sent his only, his one and only son for you and for me. Praise God for that. What Jesus experienced on Good Friday, it was beyond horrific. The beating, the the crucifying, he paid the penalty for our sin. One cross plus three nails equals forgiven. We are forgiven. Just like you receive the free gift of salvation, receive your forgiveness, receive healing. Jesus' sacrifice demonstrates to us how much he loves you, how much he loves us. He took our place on that cross. You know, Easter Easter reminds us to be eternity focused. That there's only one way to heaven. In John 11, Jesus said, "I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies." And then in John 14, Jesus said, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me." There is only one way to heaven through Jesus. Your name can be added to the book of life. Today, your reservation for heaven can be made in advance. Jesus said this in Luke 15, I tell you this in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents over the 99 righteous who do not need to repent. You may have walked in here today thinking, Pastor Ken, I'm just not living right. Come just as you are. Come just as you are. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And because Jesus lives, only because Jesus lives, can we see death swallowed up in victory. Amen? Amen. God offers us salvation, a free gift, eternal life in heaven. He loves you so much that He gives you a choice. You have the choice to love Him back or reject Him and deny that love. Accepting Jesus in your heart is the most important decision you will ever make. In your entire life, nothing is more important. Let's stand. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Let's bow our heads as we close our service today. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this time. Father, I pray for each one here. Jesus. Father, you have loved us so much. And now the choice is ours to love you back. I don't want to close this service without giving each person in this place and watching from home an opportunity to accept Jesus as your Savior, as, your, as the Lord of your life. There are Christian brothers and sisters praying throughout this room right now for you. If that is you, then today is your day to receive the invitation. If you've never made that decision in your whole life, then this moment is for you. Or maybe you made that decision, but it was a long time ago. And you're in a whole other place. Your GPS is trying to say, recalculate. You're trying to get back. Well, this is your time as well. To realign your life with the word of God, and to make Jesus the first place of your life. Thank you, Lord. I believe right now the Holy Spirit is moving in hearts. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this service, this time. And we're going to take this time now to pray. If you would like to make the decision to accept Jesus, you can repeat this prayer with me. Or if you need to rededicate your life and get life back on track, repeat this prayer with me as well. In fact, we're all going to pray together because it's a reaffirmation of our faith and what we believe. So let's pray. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because I need your help. I know that I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself, I need a Savior. I need you, Jesus. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you were resurrected on the third day. I believe that you are alive and seated at the right hand of the Father. Thank you that my name is written in the book of life. Thank you for forgiving me of every sin I've ever committed. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I repent before you. Help me from this day forward to live a life for you. I am saved and I am forgiven. In Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. We read that if just one repents, that the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Praise God. We rejoice as well. Praise the Lord. I want to thank you. Many of you are visiting with us today. Uh, boy, we're just rejoicing that you are here with us. We dismiss by section, so we dismiss by section 1 all the way to my right, and then 2, 3, and 4. Uh, we have our tithing box set up there at our table. Uh, a couple reminders, please don't forget these beautiful flowers you see behind me. Uh, on your way home, if you see someone not here, please take one to them. Tonight, 8 p.m., The Chosen, Season 2, Episode 1, you can join us here. Uh, no youth group tonight. I love you. God bless you. Have a great day. Get some great family pictures while you're here. Reconnect with some family and friends. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you, everyone from home. Thank you for joining us.